This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, let's get to our next guest, a five-time AFL All-Star, if my records are correct, with the Houston Oilers. He was the first receiver to have over 100 receptions in the season. He held the single-season receiving yardage record for the longest time. Charlie Hunnigan, how you doing, Charlie? I'm fine. So, Charlie, 101 catches in a season. They had a, you would be exhausted at the end of that year. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good season. Uh, I went over 1,500 yards that season, too, you know. So they weren't they weren't all little poop outs. I mean, how did you do it? I mean, were you just so fast, or did okay, you do I'm it? Gonna, ba- I'm going to tell you a story that I've told before, and it's the truth, okay? I was uh, in the process of getting my doctorate at the University of Houston, and I had a uh, professor that handed me a little book uh, that was titled Perceiving, Behaving, Becoming, and they had uh, Carl Rogers... Uh, uh, Arthur Combs, uh, four psychologists were charged by this uh, group of people that said this is what we need to be getting our kids uh, into. Uh, And it it was designed to basically help you be the best you you can be. And um, I was... uh, introduced to a lot of concepts that uh, helped me get on uh, well into the zone. I, that, that, that's, a, that's well enough known. And uh, I had uh, n- known that Lionel Taylor had caught 100 passes uh, and was the first guy to catch 100. And I said, well, I'll just catch 101. <laughs> so I call, I, I, before the season... I took the 14 games that we played and divided it into 101, and you get uh, 7.3 catches a game are necessary. And nobody would ever done it. Lionel got close to it. And uh, if you'll remind me when we get through, I'll tell you a story but, but about Lionel and I when he was the end coach for the Steelers and I was working for a publishing company, Okay. Uh, anyway, what I did is uh, I wrote in soap on the mirror uh, the name of the teams that would be playing throughout the season. This is before the season was played. And uh, the passes that I would need to ca- uh, catch in order to do it. And as the season pre- progressed, I would... Uh, up it or lower it, depending on how many passes I'd caught. And in in a mirror on my bathroom, I put the number of catches that I wanted to catch and what I did catch. I wrote it on a three by five card, kept it in my wallet. Uh, I had one by my bedside that I would see when I went to bed. Now I know this is a little unusual, but that's what I did. Well, to shorten the story, I was uh, the the media picked it up uh, three quarters of the way through, and our last game was with the Denver Broncos, and Lionel Taylor was playing with Denver. As just a matter of fact, and my first end coach, a guy named Max Speedy, 
was the uh, head coach for the Broncos. And uh, uh, we had a guy named Jim McLemore who was a publicist, and he said, Charlie, when you catch, a, catch the 101st pass, see if you can be on our sideline. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know this sounds hokey, but it's the truth. And uh, right before the half, I caught the 101st pass, but I'd been in a hurry to get there, and I was offsides. And so early in the uh, third quarter, I uh, was thrown a slant pass, uh, which I caught. And uh, about the same time I caught the ball, the safety and the corner arrived. <laughs> and so it, the the picture wasn't very photogenic because <laughs> it was all legs and arms and all that other stuff. But that was the 101st pass, and it was in the middle of the third quarter. Now get this. The next quarter and a half, I didn't catch a single pass. Uh, I dropped one in the end zone that, you know, was a cinch. And uh, I, I just set my goal too low. <laughs> but that's that's the story, the 101 story. Now, these index cards, did you give copies of those to George Blanda? No. No, I didn't tell anybody because if you tell somebody, they'll think you're hot-dogging. And uh, it'll work against you. So George was just throwing to you because basically you were open. I, I remember watching you, and I'm thinking this guy's always open. Huh. Well, he knew he we knew each other really, really well. And uh, the thing that I learned about separation, I don't see that now. And a lot of that is because of the nature of the game. Uh, Harrison that played for the. Uh, 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 the Colts. Uh, he was probably the last guy that I saw that was really good, other than Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice has no peers. Uh, he's the greatest receiver ever to play, in my opinion. So, uh, so one of your teammates on the Oilers, Charlie Toller, you you guys were in the same high school team, same college, same team. college team. Yeah, I went to uh, LSU on a track scholarship, transferred out mid-semester, uh, uh, my sophomore year, and uh, played there for three years. And uh, Charlie Toller was the fullback, and I was a running back. Uh, I didn't even know what, what a receiver did, but I could catch football. And I had good st- speed and good good endurance, and uh, that had a lot to do with it. Did did you think of playing football at LSU? That was about the Billy Cannon era, right? I, I did. I was I was uh, ironically enough. I I was twenty five before I ever went to the pros. Uh, I was uh, I went to LSU in nineteen fifty three as a freshman, and uh, we had a guy there on the team that threw the shot and the discus. I was middle distance. I ran the quarter and a half and uh, the mile relay at uh, LSU. And they had a guy there that, that threw the shot in discus, and his name was Harvey Cannon. And he was uh, uh, had long arms, and uh, he uh, was a good athlete, and he kept telling us, you wish wait till my little brother gets up here. He's going to show you. And that was Billy. <laughs> and so I was out of there by the time Billy got to, to uh uh, LSU. Yeah, and Billy won the Heisman in 59. Yeah. 
and so I was long out of there. I went. I came uh, to Northwestern, uh, got in another year simply because of the transfer, uh, and I picked up a lot of of college hours. Uh, essentially, I had another year, and uh, I had an opportunity to go to Canada with the Edmonton Eskimos, and uh, I got up there, and it didn't work. The the coach uh, told me, he said, Hennigan, you can't block, and you're too dumb to learn to play. So you got to go home, and that was my first entry into that. And the, the Canadian Football League's a lot more wide open. I would have thought that you would have thrived in an environment like well, that. Well, it just didn't work. That's all I can tell you. You and, mentioned, huh? Well, you mentioned Taylor. You got a Taylor story. I can't believe the Bears had Taylor, and then they let him go. We need receivers here back in the '60s. Well, he was a good possession receiver. Uh, his yards per catch uh, were, you know, they were they were adequate. But but uh, he was a great. You know, he had good hands. And he was six four, I guess, or six five. And um, uh, anyway, he was the uh, end coach for the Steelers. And uh, I was working for McGraw Hill as a regional manager, and I was up in West Virginia and called the Steelers. And I said, <clears throat> "I speak to Lionel Taylor." <clears throat> Excuse me. And he and they said, uh, "Yeah." And they put him on the line. I said, Lionel, I said, uh, you got a seat for me? She, and he said, come on. And so I sat with them at the game and uh, <clears throat> stayed over that night. And uh, he, it was cold up there. And uh, he, he had the bed stripped down to just one cover sheet. And he said, you son of a bitch. Now I'm going to let you sweat a while. <laughs> Get out of there. I, I said, he said, he said, uh, you broke my record. I said, no, it's my record now. <laughs> but we had, a, we had a fun time. How how would Charlie Hennigan in his prime do today in the, the NFL game, do you think? <clears throat> That's a good question because, um, you know, I had good speed, uh, and I got, got better as I got older as far as quickness and things, and I had – uh, a guy named Dub Jones, whose son Bert played, mm-hmm. and he was with the uh, uh, Cleveland team, as was Max Speedy, and and they focused on finesse. And so, um, if you can isolate me, I could, uh, I could, you know, I would get open. Nobody could cover me. I can't believe you're not in the Hall of Fame. I see all these <laughs> campaigns get you in, and I think you should be in. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, and it's a real compliment. And, uh, um, you know, one of the reasons is that <clears throat> for some reason it's been difficult for the NFL to recognize AFL-only athletes. To my, to my knowledge, Billy Shaw, who played lineman for Buffalo, is the only, only AFL-only uh, Hall of Famer. Right. And... Uh, Lance and I, uh, Lance Allworth and I are, are good friends. And Lance studied my film when he went to the Cowboys. And, uh, we've, we've talked about it and he's written an endorsement letter for me, uh, saying I ought to be in there. But, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, if I don't make it, that'll be fine. 
and the game is changing, and and uh, how would I play to make it today? <clears throat> it would just depend on the quarterback and the system that they had, because uh, a lot of that <clears throat> had to do with George Blanda being my quarterback. See. Exactly. Thank you so much for your time, Mr. Henning. It's right. a pleasure talking to you, and I predict you're going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. Well, I appreciate anything you can do. <laughs> Thank right. you. Thank you. That was Charlie Hennigan, former AFL All-Star, one of the best receivers back in that league, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Can I put in a quick plug for the uh, third annual Jack Brickhouse and Rudy Malnati Sr. benefit the Monday night at Paisano's in Glenview? Or not? We just put it in. Oh. I want to thank Dave Olson, our sound man producer. He does an excellent job. And thank all our guests, Pilar Lastra, Floyd Little, and Charlie Hennigan. Stay tuned again next week for another Starful show. Thanks.